0: So I got my seven-year-old to we in a cup. We is so potent. It's full of nutrients. And it was all about soil health and how we feed our soils and what nutrients are required for for plant growth and things. And we had a watercress growing in, in some cotton wool, just fed with water. And then we put this diluted mixture of one part weave to 40 parts water of my daughter's on the other one. And... Boy, did it grow. It shot up in record time It continued to outgrow the other one. You know, it's those kinds of things. And actually, genuinely, I'm having so much fun in all of this. But this kind of fun, especially when you see how much fun the kid is having. Oh, it's, uh, it's 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 really motivating. It keeps you wanting to do it again and again.
1: My name is Kashka and welcome to Plant Voices podcast from Tapewood Community Garden, where we tell local stories about gardening, food, nature and climate change. This month brought pretty depressing climate news. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has brought out its most recent report reviewing all the available science on the state of the climate. The message was clearer than ever. We are in big trouble and we need to take radical action. Fast. It's code red for humanity. This time it does not feel like just a theoretical scientific argument. We are starting to see the evidence of the change around us. Who can forget the footage from the fires in Australia, California or Greece over the last couple of years? Or the recent droughts and floods in Fife, even this year? The IPCC's message comes just in time to inform COP26 meeting taking place in Glasgow in November. This conference of parties is the 26th of the international government summits where almost every country on earth come together to agree on steps to tackle climate emergency. Many believe the event this year is the world's best last chance to get runaway climate change under control. This is some big stuff to deal with. How do you even tackle such reality as a parent, especially with young children? How do you teach them about what's coming? How do you remain sane? Well, today I talked to two amazing mums, Anya from Big Dreams, Little Footprints, and Joe from Wild Planet Explorers. We explore their own journeys to sane parenting in the era of climate emergency and share some fab ideas for things every family can do as an antidote to the barrage of climate news. They tell us all about the collaborative project COP26 Climate Countdown and how you and your family can get involved in it too. Welcome to The Plant Podcast. Uh, and I thought we'd start with some introductions.
0: Hi, um, thank you for having me. Um, my name's Anya. I'm, I live in Fife, I, um, I'm from Kent originally. Um, my background is in sustainability rather loosely, um, I've worked um, in various guises in, in sustainability for, for sort of 10 plus years. But with the arrival of my children, I realized that what I really wanted to focus on was how to communicate what I had learned so much about professionally, what I was coming to care so much about to the next generation. It felt like um, it would give them a huge head start if they knew what I am learning now um, right from the get go from a young age. Um, so I set up Big Dreams Little Footprints, which is a sort of climate education platform, an online one that's um, completely free and it's uh, targeted at parents or anyone with young children in their lives who who want to do what I'm trying to do with my seven and four year old um, which is to prep them for an uncertain future, but to equip them with both the knowledge and the skills for dealing with it. So it's a very empowering process. Um, It's very positive and solution focused. Um, And the crucial part is that I'm trying to suggest activities and action points that um, you can embed in family life. It's not an extra thing you need to add to your very long list of things to do as a parent of a young child when we're all quite exhausted. So that's my main focus at the moment, um, and that is how I came to meet Joe from Wild Planet Explorers.
2: My name's uh, Joe McFarlane. Um, I'm a biologist and a conservationist and spent most of my career working in wildlife conservation. I was working on nature reserves and, and engaging with the communities and children through that time. Um, and then also then I had my daughter. Um, who's now seven and um, it gave me a chance to think about what I wanted to do next and one of the things I heard towards the end of my um, career within conservation before my daughter was that um, uh, there was a deep concern amongst conservationists that there was an increasing disconnection uh, by children from nature and, and that perhaps in the future there wouldn't be enough children going into adults who cared about nature to want to fight and protect it um, uh, against increasing pressures on the um, countryside and, um, and on wildlife. So I thought well what can I do to try and explain to children what role they can play in helping wildlife and and so I set up World Planet Explorers, and that was really around um, uh, inspiring a love of biology, of nature, of learning about animals, and then immediately giving them an idea of what they can do to save that uh, animal or that habitat. And so uh, similarly to Anya, for me, it's all about um, giving them knowledge and then giving them the understanding of what role they can play in, in helping and where that really links into a climate change um, education is that one of the global threats to wildlife across you know the world is climate change. And um, I first came across it during my career in conservation because we were starting to see evidence of the impact of it already of temperature change on wildlife in the UK, and that that really sparked my interest in understanding you know what, what was really going on. And um, so now I, and I wanted to bring climate change education into my sessions because World Planet Explorers, which I've developed, is, you know, they're environmental sessions, they're en- engaging. But at the time, I hadn't really brought the climate change messaging in. It's quite a difficult one to bring in if you're trying to, to give knowledge about climate change. And so I've um, designed a session now called like, the Introduction to Climate Change and Global Warming, which is for young children upwards Um, And I'm building on that through Educate Global, which is a a global programme of climate change education. And and then, of course, I've met Anya now as well, because I feel what she can offer in activities for around climate change and sustainability links really well to the session I do on giving them the knowledge of climate change and global warming. So we're partnering up together to um, uh, really help families understand it and also know what to do about it.
1: Fantastic, both amazing projects. I guess uh, what I wanted maybe to explore a little bit before we go on to other things is uh, obviously you're both parents and you already mentioned the fact that that motivated you to start your projects um, working with children or families on climate change. I wonder whether you could reflect a little bit more about your feelings or a little bit about your journey. I'm not a parent myself. But I have so many friends who have kids and I can see I can see on their faces and in their hearts. They're absolutely um, terrified of the future for the kids. So um, if you could just sort of talk a little bit about that, uh, about your journeys around that.
0: So I, I overwhelmingly I feel empowered but for three reasons. As a parent, um, I feel like I've got a lot of influence with my still very young children who are four and seven. The thing they want most is to spend time with mummy. So I have their ear. And if I can gently guide them towards conversations or activities where there's a sort of a learning component around environmental awareness, they often are quite receptive. So the influence I have with them is is very motivating it's kind of scary obviously as well but um, that's scary from day one in lots of ways when the baby arrives and it's just down to you and the decisions you make but the other part of the influence of course is that the majority of decisions you make at a household level lie with you um, and the 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 person you're co-parenting with but it's actually mostly me so there's a lot of power to make better choices around what you're bringing into the house and how you're spending your leisure time and, and all those things and how you're eating. The second thing is, is unlike an educator who's a professional, who's able to um, communicate all these important issues to children, you know your child best and you have the opportunity to do one-to-one or one-to-two, depending on whether you're doing it with the, the sibling. If you have more than one child, you have an opportunity to really reach them so my daughter's really interested in fashion design, which on the face of it initially I was a bit like, "That's fine," but seems superficial. Um, but now I'm working with it, and we have a lot of fun with her coming up with lots of dress designs and things. But it's it's enabled me to come up with fun things that are age appropriate that don't alarm her about the nastiness of fast fashion like where materials come from. So we tied a few different types of materials, little scraps of fabric to sticks and lit them. And you can see that the synthetic ones harden and just solidify and smell very nasty and don't go away. And then the natural fibers burn and sizzle and disappear. And we've buried some to see what happens and whether the worms do or don't eat them and then we've we're going to be spinning um fleece sheep's fleece on a, a cd and a stick into into wool um so that we can then hand knit it because she's not at a stage of using actual needles yet we do visible repairing which is fun i say look i've got a hole in my jumper again you know can you give me an idea for what animal or shape or flower and what colors to use to cover it up so it's then very visible she's involved even though she can't actually sew yet And things like we did a family tree where I got her to appreciate how if you buy clothes or get clothes second, third, fourth hand, that's better than buying brand new, generally. And I put together a family tree and we traced the origins or sorry, the trace, the ancestry, as it were, of a particular skirt that she loved, got in touch with the parent and passed it on to us. And they got in touch with the parent before. And in that process, you're telling the other parents, um, how grateful you are again for the hand-me-down and it motivates them to keep doing that because there's a trickle-down effect and I ordered something through eBay and I got the mother of the the child who used to own this gilet um to write a letter to my daughter explaining how much fun she'd had with it and she even took a picture of, of when she was a child wearing it. it was it was lovely it was a really nice interaction and all those things were quite involved processes I suppose there's a bit of time involved from my side and sitting down and doing those things but they're so memorable because they tapped into exactly what she's interested in um, so the power of the mum uh, or the parent or the person who's involved in that child's life as the person who knows that child really well is huge and and is unparalleled really and the third of course is the obvious that anyone with a child in their life is the most invested in the future, because that child will grow up into a future when when we're not here anymore. So I find it mostly I'm very motivated. I've never felt more purposeful and hopeful about making the right choices and doing better and lessening our impact. There are challenges. The first challenge I would say is is self-care. So don't overread, know your limits, don't fall apart, because if you are going to despair about what's going on, because you're reading too much or you're, you're watching the wrong kinds of documentaries, which can be very, very alarming, then, then rein it in, step back, because you're no use to, to your child or to anyone, and you're sending the wrong messages, that it's hopeless, which is the opposite of what you need to be doing with a young person. And there was an activist I heard on the radio recently who's from India who said she started her journey, she's probably now in her 50s or so, motivated by despair and frustration and a bit of anger, and she realized that wasn't sustainable. So she, uh, she I don't know how, but turned it around and is now motivated purely by love, by love for people in her community, people she'll never meet around the world and, and for the natural world. And that is much more self-sustaining. And if you read too much, you know too much and you reach your limits on knowing what's going on in the world, um, that will take away from your ability to be motivated by love and hope, which go hand in hand. Um, and and the final thing is just keep going like you might not get any feedback from your child for years keep going because there'll be some little nugget and they'll suddenly say oh i remember when you said about that last year or or my daughter little brother was playing with the instructions in her new second hand but her new game that she got given and she was like, no, don't mess it up. We won't be able to pass it on or, you know, the next person won't be able to read the instructions. So she, she's really, she understands that there's a journey for things. It doesn't start with us and end with us. There's someone before and there's someone after. So I found that really hopeful. Um, how about you, Jo?
2: Yeah, so obviously I echo a lot of what Anya said around um, the parental side and, um, you know, the responsibility we have as um, parents um, and, and like, and it says the power we have um, as parents to influence um, their thinking and what they do. My my take on um, how I do it, um, I suppose, not just in personally, but through my career is very much using nature for me. So of course I care about people and um, I'm a big believer in love and hope too, Um, but my passion has always been about nature and saving nature and saving um, uh, wildlife that's being impacted by human action. And um, so my daughter has grown up with a mother, I suppose, um, who um, from the moment she was born was destined to understand (laughs) the importance of nature and how amazing it is and um, why it it should be saved. And so the way my daughter's grown up is um, less probably hearing about climate change so much but more learning um, about nature and why it's worth saving and connecting to nature and and in fact um, I guess that's what Wild Planet Explorers is about as well and so my sessions are for three years and up and so I think I've had the biggest reaction um, from Parents and children of the three, four, five age group go coming to my sessions and proactively then going out, you know, cleaning up litter, searching through their cupboards to see if they've got sustainable um logos on their um, you know, no, you know, sustainable palm oil or looking at everything in their cupboards. And you know, um, and it's that age group that I'm finding, and the parents of that age group that seem to be completely and infused to want to go out and, and make some change immediately they're learning about it through the nature angle. So what what I try to do, what I've done with my daughter is bring animals to life, you know, not it's not like taking her to a zoo or anything. I don't, I'm much more about seeing them things in the wild and and then understanding that if these creatures are going to be here for the future, that she has a role in making sure the habitat and the environment is there for them. And so that has led on to um her and while Planet explorers, you know, tackling plastic pollution, tackling all the big issues, all of which are related to climate change and sustain. You know, living sustainability is the key to sustainably. Is the key to um, uh, tackling this the global warming element. And so, what as she's getting older now, she's seven. She's hearing more about climate change. For her, it's about saving nature. So when she hears that temperatures are rising, or um, you know, there's um, sea level rise happening, or you know the, there could be flooding happening you know she's jumping immediately to what is the impact of on wildlife what's the impact to the habitat you know um why are they cutting down trees with all the wildlife in it and then that allows me to then have the conversation of well when they're cutting down the trees it's not just the wildlife it's also releasing you know carbon dioxide and and we talk about and it all links i you know the pollution in the sea the impact on plankton um impact on um, uh, the you know plants and producing oxygen and in, in, off from the sea, you know you can link it all very gently through to that kind of messaging, um, and um, and that's where I think so my angle I you know Anya's come up with the most fantastic creative ideas to uh, activities um, whereas my side is very much about the uh, the wildlife side and bringing that to life and then essentially then how can directly a child impact a tiger in the middle of nowhere miles from home or they can directly from their cupboards and what they buy in the shops how can they impact an albatross that's getting caught on a hook miles from where they are um, through unsustainable fishing well they can they can choose a good sustainable fish or they could used to be able to collect st- and send them away and and help the albatross. You know, there's so much they can do. And then building homes for nature in their garden or a pot of flowers, there's just so much they can do. And so that's kind of my, my main focus, I guess, um, is that. Great.
1: As you were talking, um, I've realised that you're both very much experts in, in this field in a way. Um, so um, both your websites obviously have some information about, about the activities or some facts that parents can use as a resource who are not experts in the field. And we'll link these websites in our show notes so people can access them. But do you have you know any go-to resource that might be quite accessible for somebody that's just starting out?
0: muddy faces is a really good one for um outdoor learning they have some really fun things that caters for all interests. my seven-year-old's never been that outdoorsy you know it wasn't a kind of jump in muddy puddles all day kind of um younger child um we're getting there now though because she's outdoor more than ever now which is which is really exciting but yeah it, it caters for all levels of interest in being outdoors and but um there, there were two things. There was, There's a book called Losing Eden by Lucy Jones, which is really accessible, easy, and so uplifting, all about the multiple um, health benefits of, of being outside and, and engaging with nature in a meaningful way. It's really, really, really interesting read. And there's a really easy-to-watch documentary called The Economics of Happiness by Local Futures, which I found, again, very accessible, very simple, Beautifully put together um, and very powerful. Um, And Wild (laughs) Kratts, Wild Kratts, which is this a brilliant conservation-focused cartoon series? It was on Netflix. It's now just on YouTube. You can watch full episodes on YouTube for free, though. Um, It's a total hit in this house and has taught them much more than I've ever been able to teach them. Not that I'm an expert like Joe, but she—they—they reach children. It's brilliant.
2: Right. Jo? Yeah, so I would often direct everyone to actions they can take as families, whether it be doing beach cleans and looking at um, the way they live their lives and what they're doing. So what I've always tried to do while Planet Explorers is that I'm unbiased in the ch- charities and the groups that... Um, I promote. So on um, what I would say is on my website of Wild Planet Explorers, there's a bit called Ways to Help Nature. And what I'm doing there is bringing together everybody, it doesn't matter who they are, who I think are really great um, in providing activities and ideas for people who want to make change, whether that's families or just individuals, actually. So you can go onto that page and then you'll see Marine Conservation Society and all the stuff they offer, you know, right to conservation projects happening Brilliant. that kids can get involved in yeah so it would be worth doing that because I think for my connections are very much around uh, what uh, charities are trying to do to engage children and um, others like Educate Global as well the thing is those resources you're getting from scientists who are working for those charities who are right on the edge of um, uh, conservation education and they they you're getting really good quality resources so it's worth having a look yeah. Fantastic. That's that's really useful. Thank you. Now that we talked about not looking
1: at facts too much and, and the news too much, if they're too distressing, because the IPCC report, recent IPCC report um, about climate science came out a couple of weeks ago and, and it's got some stark um, messages and, and there's been quite a lot of commentary around how it's called Red for Humanity and, and um, all these things. I wonder if you had... Uh, a chance to have a look at the information in it or any commentary on it and what your reaction to it is
0: absolutely not going to look at it thank you um saw the headlines and that's certainly i think all the information i need i already know a fair amount about the state of affairs and it's it's not good um And I think for anyone else out there who knows as much as I do, which isn't an awful lot, but it's something and certainly for anyone who knows less than I do, that that's not the place to go.
2: Obviously, um, being more, you know, I'm a scientist, so I am interested to kind of read that stuff to to make sure that I'm, um, you know, I'm promoting myself as a biologist and I kind of need to understand the science what well, I would say um, is that um, my concern really is um, about um, the climate change education that's going on in schools. Um, so for me, um, when I see it, I think, you know, if I was a teacher looking at that, I, that those reports and then um, being aware that um, certainly in secondary school, a lot of young people will be seeing that on their social media news feeds Whereas my daughter doesn't have a phone at seven going on eight, so she's not seeing any of that. And then um, those children are coming into school, having seen Code Red for Humanity, and then they're expecting their teachers to be able to understand and explain or even, um, imp- like Anya says, empower them to know they have a role in uh, doing something about it rather than feeling worried. I have a, a very big concern about the, the the ability for teachers to be able to do that. It's a big ask when a lot of teachers aren't scientists they, or they haven't had that training um, in um, climate change education and are expected to then then have to deal with those um, questions. So it just flagged up to me uh, again, uh, which is something I'm personally fighting for is a much more consistent climate change education programme in, in schools in Scotland, which I do not believe is currently there. And, um, and there is learning for sustainability embedded in the Scottish curriculum, but I do not believe that there is enough leadership across all schools to be able to uh, have that role out So that um, teachers really know how to answer those questions. And so for me, I just thought of parents of, um, and teachers of that age group who've got phones now, probably even primary, and um, who are seeing all those messages and, and, um, and how are they answering those questions and are they confident to do that?
0: thank you to for bringing that up um i'm at the very early stages of setting up a scotland wide network for parents and teachers at primary school age level but also preschool so not secondary but to support parents to better engage schools on what more could be done in the curriculum so that's on my website um if anyone wants to um, express their interest and find out more just to get in touch
1: brilliant Right, obviously, IPCC report leads very nicely into other governmental stuff. That's and global stuff that's happening, including COP twenty-six. So in Glasgow this year, where all the international governments are going to be getting together and deciding our future. So you've got a project um, in the run-up to this, and maybe you could um, talk a little bit about um, that.
0: COP26 Climate Countdown, between um, a partnership between Big Dreams Little Footprints and Wild Planet Explorers. Um, we've run it over 14 weeks um, in the lead up to um, November, to the conference. And I think the thinking was, that it would be a nice uh, antidote to the headlines of the IPCC report and and to the sense that what's happening at COP is so beyond our control and and out of our reach, which it is for the majority of us. Um, And it's a weekly post combining activities that a person can do with a child in their life that teaches them a little bit about what's going on in the world um, but crucially what they can do about it um, so it is aimed at very young children but older children can join in too and it also includes an action point for the parent or the person the adult involved for what they can then do going forward at sort of a how they spend their money how, how they organize um, the family level and it's bite size it's it's very simple it's sort of taking things one thing at a time. It's simplifying um, the issues. Um, I always find that when you're talking to a child and having to explain something to a young person in a way that they'll understand, it's actually helpful for you um, and helpful for adults because things can be simple. I think things are simple. Um, There are some basics that you can just keep coming back to to keep keep you keep you right and keep you focused and keep you feeling like you're actually able to have an impact so yeah that's what we're doing we're, we're week 10 this week 10 weeks to go and um, we'll be posting later today for for this week's activity action points and yeah i feeling hopeful that we can we can get traction on this i'll, I'll give you a couple of ideas of, of what we've been doing so far off so yeah, with food, which is very easy it's accessible it's something we do every day we need to eat And for lots of children, food is a pleasure for most children, um, even if they're not involved in the making of it. So for example, one of the activities um, a couple of weeks ago was creating um, a, where did we eat today poster, which brings in a bit of geography about where these countries are in the world. It brings in, and back to what I said about tapping into a child's interest to kind of get get them um, engaged it brings in um, an opportunity to say, right, well, these are the different countries where the food we've eaten have come from. Um, the food we've eaten today has come from. Um, if you like animals, let's look at what animals live in those different countries. If you like dress design and fashion like my daughter, let's see what some of the traditional costumes in these countries look like. So you can you can tailor it and you put a poster up and then you've got something visual up on, our, up, up on the notice board in the kitchen. That's what we've done. So it's there to look at, to refer to when it catches your eye, just to remember because we did this a year ago, actually. We should do it again. Um, uh so yes it that, that's an example of how you can tailor it and how it can feed into other areas of learning to make you the parent a little bit more interested in doing the exercise as well because you might be interested in different sports and what like traditional sports are played in different parts of the world or whatever it is and another one we did because all kids like to talk about wee and poo um was to get so I got my seven-year-old to wee in a cup and um experimented a bit with diluting it because we're so potent it's full of nutrients and it was all about soil health and like how we feed our soils and what nutrients are required for, for plant growth and things and and anyway I diluted the we and we had a, a, a controlled um, watercress growing in, in some cotton wool just fed with water And then we put this diluted mixture of one part weave to 40 parts water of my daughter's on the other one. And boy, did it grow. It shot up in record time It continued to outgrow the other one. So we're going to do it again, but set it up as a competition between my seven and my four-year-old to see, you know, who's got the most powerful weave, you know, it's those kinds of things. And actually genuinely, I'm having so much fun in all of this. And I've forgotten that this kind of child childhood fun um, is a kind of fun that adults don't often have in their lives. We have different kinds of fun, and that's great. But this kind of fun, I mean, especially when you see how much fun the kid is having, oh, it's, uh, it's 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 really motivating. It keeps you wanting to do it again and again.
1: Joe, do you have an example your favorite activity that might have been included in the COP26 project?
0: So so far
2: from Anya's amazing selection, um yeah, I think it's got to be the we one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, the um, a competition between uh, mummy, daddy and my daughter's uh, we. And, um, yeah, we're, do, we're planning that one at the moment. I've managed to persuade my um, partner to to get involved. But, you know, um, that's the brilliant thing and um, about what Anya does. And, you know, um, I, I'm lucky enough from Wild Planet. It's been going uh, quite a while now. And um, so I've got a good... A number of teachers and parents um, following Wild Planet um the connections are there across Wild Planet um, and I thought there's no way that families shouldn't be hearing what Anya's doing you know because it's just brilliant so um, this partnership struck up really because you know, while I'm doing my animal biology aside and conservation, um, when it comes to the climate change and global warming session I have, um, you know, um, it's, re- it's really good fun, my climate change and global warming session. And, um, um, but at the end of it, I was thinking right now, what I need is a really good, cause it's quite an innovative session an innovative um, activity. And then I met Anya and she was doing all her amazing stuff. And I thought, well, um, uh, what a perfect person to, to work with. And um, and hopefully also raise awareness of big dreams, little footprints more because um, so it's quite exciting. And um, my hope is with our, our, our countdown that we're going to we're going to chat more with Anya about this. But um, we'll do some press releases and stuff about it soon and uh, get awareness out there. I'm leading up to COP26 locally in Fife and um um, and yeah, like Anya says, you know, it all seems quite far away for a lot of people, like the IPCC report and COP twenty six. But um, but what this does is uh makes everyone realise that you can do something right at home and and be part of it all. Um, and that's love- brilliant. That's what we need, isn't it? More action from everybody. So
1: fantastic, fun, fun way to to engage with all this.
2: Yeah,
1: Um, And it's going to be such a fantastic sort of resource for the future. It's just in the run-up to COP, but it's going to be there for everybody to pick up on a daily basis, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you quoted somebody's... um, thoughts about how to engage with facts and which feelings to use to motivate yourself for for action. Do you have any um, articles or books or anybody you follow on social media, people that inspire you in how you think about this stuff as a parent, rather than just stuff that you use with
0: kids? I found the Common Ground podcast. Wonderful because it's got such a global outlook. And that was it was in one of their podcasts um, that I heard the lady say about how she's now motivated by love and how it's much more self-sustaining in her activism. And Positive News is a is a great publication. It's you don't have to subscribe and get the print magazine, you can just read their um weekly newsletter, which covers a lot of what's in the magazine. And, And that's just it's just wonderful. Struggles from Below is another one. Um, it's also similarly reports on sort of solution focused stories. And most importantly for anyone who's maybe sort of worried about ending up in a bad place because they've learned too much and are, are, are despairing is, is to join a community, you know, ideally a face to face Organization that's in your local community, like plants or transition, or there's lots out there. Just you'll know what's in your local area. But failing that, join an online community. It's it's um and and shop around if you like. You know, join a few on Facebook or um, on WhatsApp and and see how you get on. And Instagram also has some some lovely friendly communities that meet up on the weekends. They do these these eco meetups and things. And see, yeah, see see what suits you. And I find that can be super helpful because it takes the pressure off. Leaning on those loved ones in your life who you lean on anyway, but most importantly, may not be sort of on board in the same way um, with you. And uh, you, you might find you're better supported by like-minded people you don't actually know and you may never meet. I've got friends who, who understand the issues, but just aren't in the same place as me. So I find these online communities super helpful. What about you, Joe?
2: Um, Yeah, so I echo positive news. I follow it on Facebook. You can join up to the and just get their positive um, news stories every single day. I've subscribed to the magazine. I think, um, you know, it's just the whole stories around um, the environment and climate change are very negative um, in the mainstream news. And so definitely try and, you know, try and follow things that are positive as well. And I do also, though, follow a few things that are anti-climate change, non-believing people, people who are angry at, at all at, um, sometimes it's quite good to, to get an understanding of non-like-minded people too, to understand what is what is stopping them. Um, what, what are their drivers? Why are they not um, uh, believing in climate change or why do they not want to change? What are their concerns? Why don't they want to get rid of their car? Why do you know, just it's sometimes good to actually hear the other side. um, But not get too weighed down with it if it starts to um, to get you down. And there is a book um, for just general reading. It is by George Marshall. And it's called um, Why Are Brains Wired Not to Believe in Climate Change. It's a fascinating book. I really recommend it. It gives you a really good understanding of why... People are, are kind of not. Lots of people aren't quite willing to want to accept it, and lots to do with your, uh, you know, your life and how you want it. But it's a really interesting book, and um, I'm I'm also a big believer in in joining groups. So where I live locally is a local nature conservation group, um, and um, you know people come and join that for all sorts of reasons. Whether they're concerned about plastic on the beach, they want to um, get um, more flowers growing in the village because for pollinators um, whether they they want to campaign and petition against something and I think that re- at the moment that's a really powerful way to to make change from grassroots up just like you're doing um, and where our nature group is making change right across the villages where we are it's really exciting to see and I think sometimes we we wait for governments to and councils to make decisions and we're all frustrated when actually we could just get on ourselves and do it and you know who are most active in this group families they're on it and you know they're just amazing so um yeah really um get, get out and get involved and don't feel like you can't do anything because you really can
1: brilliant um, yeah. very good suggestions I love it and coming together really definitely um with other people um like-minded people possibly on the same stage of the journey yes seems to be really powerful i mean it's helped me personally you know getting involved in a local group um and um and doing something (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. um it makes you feel like you're not alone uh, that's such an important thing because you can't shoulder all the burden all by yourself that's not going to ever work is it (laughs) is there anything before we say goodbye um anything that we maybe missed out that you wanted to say
2: I don't think so. No. Just look at look out for Wild Planet Explorers and Big Dreams um, little footprints.
0: You can sign up as well to watch it or either follow Wild Planet Explorers on Facebook or sign up to the mailing list on my website or, or both.
1: Mm, mm, great. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys for joining me for this conversation.
0: Yeah, lovely to meet you. Thank you. Thanks.
1: If you've listened to our podcasts before, you might know that at the end of each episode I put all our guests into a time machine, taking them to the year 2030 and beyond. I ask them to use their imagination to paint a picture of what the world might look like if, over the next five to ten years, everyone does everything possible to prevent the worst of climate change. I've been collecting their memories of the future to help us all imagine the irresistible and delicious things we all are working towards. This exercise is inspired by Rob Hopkins' work From What If to What Is book.
0: I'm going to headline with a four-day working week not least because with a three-day weekend there could be much more focused time as a family there would be more education outside of structured education which the parents can be directly involved in and anyone else who has a child in their life and more community-based involvement as well we have a wonderful thriving community where we are in a very small village here in Fife um, but I find it's quite it gives me a bit of a headache sometimes when there's another ask which isn't much of an ask to get involved in the latest activity in the village hall that they want all the children to be involved in. And I wish I had more time for it. Cause I think it's important. Um, I would also like to see, I do see in 2030 um, huge secondhand super stores where everything is second, third, fourth, sixth, 10th hand. Um, like they have, I think in Norway or Sweden. Um, I'd also like to see safe cycle li- lanes so that I'm basically never driving anymore. Um, and I'm super fit. And yummy vegan cheese, please. I'd love yummy vegan cheese because <laughs> yeah. cows' cheese, sheep, cheese, goat's cheese—that's my biggest, you know, barrier to going vegan. And um, and and yes, that those would be my four things.
2: Personally, I would like to imagine that everything is local everything shopping is local so for example we've got more so we've got a a farm shop just up the road where everyone goes to buy local seasonal vegetables that you grow here in the local area that um if you do end up going to supermarkets that all the produce in there are sustainable are you know don't have pesticides all over them that are just healthy and and the whole feel of our time is that we are local we're a community we're not traveling around the world as much as we used to because we're happy where we are and we're um, we've got enough and we're not just striving for more and more and more but obviously for me the the most um, uh, the biggest thing for me personally would uh, again be around habitats and being protected and rainforests not being cut down Um, and for me I guess in the ideal world of 2030 there would be a halt to the extinction of species and not just abroad but in our own country so scotland is seeing vast number of species declining or going extinct as i as we speak here today and um so and what people don't realize is that by living local and sustainably in their own communities and not buying everything from around the world or um you know choosing organic or just trying to choose more carefully they can help that as well the wildlife side and and so obviously that's really Important
1: thing. I have to say that talking to Anya and Joe was such a breath of fresh air this week, much needed among all the doom and gloom of climate news that's hitting us just now. I hope you enjoy exploring their COP26 climate countdown ideas with your family. I'm quite tempted to try their we experiment myself. You may also like to join in the serious fun of Tayport Climate Festival on the 24th, 25th and 26th of September. There will be lots of family activities, including a bug walk for young families led by Anya and Kayleigh. Check out at Tayport Climate Festival on Facebook and Instagram for more information. And a printed program will also be available from shops and venues around Tayport in September. Now, the podcast will be taking a break in September um, because we're too busy with the festival. So look out for our next episode in October. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening to the Plant Voices podcast. For more Tayport Community Garden stories and for information on how to get involved, visit our website on www.tayportgarden.org.